Hi, and welcome to the Vote Her podcast, because when you vote, great things can happen. I'm Mara Davis, media maven, podcaster, dog lover, hustler, and I love having friends that are a lot smarter than me. And I'm Jen Jordan, and I am the mother of a high school graduate. <gasps> Cue the applause. Yeah, it's it's That's pretty exciting. incredible. I know. My favorite thing is for people to say to me, you know, you don't look old enough to have a high school senior. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll welcome those comments from anybody who wants to give them. I mean, that's an amazing achievement. I know. I've been already warned that the senior year is just so intense because I'll be going into that next year. No, this, it's really more the junior year that's intense. What's been crazy this year is this whole senioritis social thing that's been happening. And so it was funny the other day, uh, somebody was talking about, oh, my mom started crying again about something. And then Lawton looked at me and he said, I don't think you've cried at all. <laughs> he said, you should cry some more. And I wanted to be like, why are we going to cry when you're here? Don't don't get me wrong. It's going to be sad. But, you know, let's just, we're all together right now. I know. I know. I'm already and I'm like. Oh, you're going to be a mess. I'm a cold, I have a cold black heart, but I am very, like, I am intensely going to be savoring this last year going into Charlie's senior year. Well, I mean, and he's probably not going to go to a Georgia school. Likely. I don't know. I don't know. That's another conversation for another day. But right, okay. Right. So let's uh but let's keep our conversation on Georgia. Um first big story, the Republican nominated to chair the Fulton election board withdraws after a lot of backlash. This was a huge, huge story. Uh Rob Pitts, the Fulton County Commissioner Chair, uh he nominated uh, Lee Morris, who was a former GOP county commissioner. And this was a huge story, and a lot of activists got this changed. Well, what's interesting is that it goes back to, it's actually legislation um, that I worked on with Commissioner Pitts uh, to give the power of the commission, give the power to pick the chair of the election board back to the commission because it had been taken away at one point when Republicans had taken over um, the Fulton County delegation at one point. And I was I've been the I was the chair for a few years before leaving the legislature. And so we said, you know, we need to give them back the power. So we did. So the issue is, though, is that the person that that Chairman Pitts put up is Lee Morris, who is um, the just recently defeated Republican Fulton County Commissioner. And Commissioner Dana Barrett, who's a Democrat, is the one who beat him. So she was like, what are you doing? I mean, it's like one of these things where we have the power um, to appoint someone and you're going to put this in the hands of Republicans. Like, what were they, what was he thinking? You know, look, Lee Morris is a good guy. Uh -huh. let, me, let me, I mean, and that's, and that's, that and that's interesting because I'm glad you point that out because people seem to feel like, hey, you know what? It's bipartisan. He's a good guy. Uh, but there was a lot of people who showed up and were not happy about well, this. Well, I think the, the biggest issue is looking at who the Republicans have, who are putting on? They're putting on Jake Evans, who's the guy who ran for Congress, um, the sixth district. It's the one that um, Lucy McBath used to have. They, okay. they redistricted and made Republican. Okay. He lost the primary there. Right, right. His dad is Randy Evans, who is the former head of the GOP and very close to Trump. And they're big Trumpers, right? And um, with respect to Jake, he actually is on the record for kind of dabbling in that election denial stuff. 
And he also has big political ambitions himself. And then secondarily, it was another guy who is known for filing all of these, um, what are the challenges to the various voters? Like he's like a gadfly with respect to that. Has already been on like Cleta Mitchell's podcast. So you have two people, right, that have been um, nominated by the, the Republican Party in Fulton County who clearly have an agenda with respect to what they want to do and a history of election denialism and going after Fulton County. These are going to be on the election board. That's crazy. And so I think the thought was, look, we can't just say, well, Lee Morris is a good guy. Lee Morris is a nice guy. At the end of the day, what we know about Lee is that sometimes when the rubber hit the road in terms of Republican versus Democrat, he'd go with his Republican brethren. Yeah. And so, you know, there there's too much on the line with respect to that. Well, and clearly, I mean, it's one good thing that came out of this was when there's an uprising and people show up and they let their voices be heard. I mean, it, it rattled the cage for sure. Listen, people were up in arms and I started getting calls and texts and, you know, my whole thing is I I agreed. I was like, if this were normal times, Lee Morris would be fine. We are not in normal times. And we know, um, especially with Trump likely to be the Republican nominee for president, it, it's just the way they've targeted Fulton County. There's just no way. And we're not even going to get into the Fulton County DA, the special grand jury. I mean, because there's just so much in the weeds with that. But closer to home is this Georgia GOP convention. Now it was announced the day we're recording that Trump is going to be the headliner there. But yet uh, a lot of prominent people from the Georgia GOP are not going to be there, including our governor, Brian Kemp, which I think is so wild that Trump's going to be there and Kemp's not going to be there. It's, It's pretty nutty. I mean, Trump was very clear in his speech, you know, on Wednesday saying, pat me on the back. The only reason we have this ban, this abortion ban, is because of me. And there wouldn't, you wouldn't have that, Georgia Republicans, but for me, because pro-lifers were just big losers before that, all right? right? So that's the way he kind of parses it out. And so Kemp, Raffensperger, and it's my understanding, Chris Carr, those folks, the people that um, Trump did not support in their re-election campaigns did not go to the GOP convention. But it's not just about Trump. I mean, they made that decision before everybody knew Trump was going to be there. So the question is, what is going on where you have a party structure that has become so radicalized and when the kind of the standard bearers of the party right now aren't even part of that? Uh, This is the clip that you're referring to about Trump and abortion. On this, and I want to ask also, do you think that six weeks is, is going too far? Is that going to doom Republicans with the moderates in this country when it comes to 2024? Rob, first of all, I'm the one that got rid of Roe v. Wade, and everybody said that was an impossible thing to do. I put on three Supreme Court justices. Very few people have had that privilege or honor, and uh, they are terrific people, and they happen to believe uh, that Roe v. Wade should not be there. It's been now brought back to the states, and what I've done is I've given the pro-life people who are wonderful people and loving people. I've given them the power of negotiation because now they're able to negotiate something that's going to be very important. 
So that's, well, listen, we can roll our eyes at that clip for so many different reasons, but in a weird way, he isn't, he's not wrong. I mean, he did get that done and that was a big reason why people sold their soul and sort of wanted to overlook everything else. But what we're seeing now, and I really wonder about this, um, there's an article in the Washington Post about like how in these special elections, and, and it's really hard to say that any of this is a bellwether, right? Because like everybody thought like the Kansas referendum was a bellwether and then and the midterms for the Democrats were better than expected but here we are um, and abortion is is a main thing like he's talking about that a lot and then your point about Georgia Republicans yeah which is they don't want to talk about that now with that said they're not on the ballot either right I mean we are it's an off year with respect to um, statewide Georgia Republicans and we know that with respect to the House and the Senate districts, those districts are so gerrymandered that it's almost impossible to make any real kind of uh, um, movement, right, or get wins outside of the ones we already control. So it's one of those things where it's kind of like, all right, well, Trump wants to do this, and maybe he would be the nominee, but at the end of the day, it may not affect actual elections in the state, you know, next time around. Now, it will affect, obviously, um, the Biden versus Trump rematch. And how's that going to look? So uh, we're assuming that Trump... Like two older white guys. Well, of course. That's what it's going to look like. That looks like. I'm saying here you're going to have, let's say Trump is the nominee, Kemp is not, and Chris Carr and the others are not going to the Georgia GOP convention in Columbus. What is that going to look like? Is it, I mean, is it just like Kemp really didn't campaign for Herschel Walker until the very end. It was sort of the last weekend. It was sort of, even then, it was like he was, you know, running at like a very low speed, really. Like, I might do it. Like, we'll get a pick together. Yeah, it's like sort of keep chopping, right? It was like one speech, like I'm almost chopping. It's like a light chop. Is well, kind of like a broken wrist <laughs> light chop. Yes. Right? Like, so what kind of chopping is going to be done for Trump? And they, I mean, I, with, with with Kemp, I mean, obviously they have to be talking about this now. It's, it's right around the corner. I mean, what's interesting is that a lot of what Kemp will do um, probably depends on what he wants to do, right? Because it's like he kind of set up this infrastructure. He raised all this money into these ridiculous slush accounts, these leadership committees, that Stacey Abrams did the very same thing. I'm telling y'all, these are bad for democracy across the board. I don't care who it is doing it. Um, but with respect to that, he he took all that money, he built an infrastructure, he won, yay, whatever, right? The problem is he doesn't have a re-election coming up. Is he going to run for something else? Because as someone who's ran before and won and lost and everything, you, you don't necessarily aren't going to like put your whole world on the line and your life on the line just to help other people. So it's, I think a lot of it's going to depend on, and what I mean other people, meaning other people running for office, not people. But I think it's going to depend on if Kemp has higher ambitions. If he does, then clearly he wants to do favors for people and he wants to keep that infrastructure and that money coming in. But if he's not going to run again, then, you know, what is the incentive for him to go out and raise 
$100 million for Republicans running in this state. I know, but it's like, here we are. I mean, it's just like this beast that won't go away. So it's really going to be interesting to see. Um, and it's also interesting. I, you know, I know that you probably think this is maybe a nothing burger, but I like to get excited about small victories. And I did want to mention Donna Deegan. She was elected the mayor of Jacksonville. Uh, she beat a DeSantis-endorsed Republican, and she's only the second Democrat to win the mayor's race in 30 years. I think that's huge. I don't think it's a nothing burger. And I think very, very specifically, too, I think it's very important. We always think about the governor or president or U.S. Senate. These races at the municipal level, like for mayor or for um, city council, and, and I know Terry talks about this a lot, are so important because, A, they're proving grounds for people, right? You learn so much about how does our government work? How is it structured? All of this stuff. But even apart from that, that's where you build the relationships too. And a lot of times municipal elections, I know in Georgia, not the one we're talking about in Jacksonville, right, um, tend to be nonpartisan. So then people get to know you just as you and just as someone serving as opposed to, well, that's a Democrat or that's a Republican. So let me ask you this. She was a very famous news anchor. That probably helped. Local news anchor. I mean, it didn't work for Carrie Lake in Arizona. But it almost did. I I know it. I know it. Listen to Donna Deegan. I mean, I and and she's very attractive, too. Uh, Here she is. Our area, we have a a murder rate that is four times per capita uh, that of of New York City. We have crumbling infrastructure. We have neighborhoods that have been left out for decades. And uh, and, and the message we brought to the streets was we want to bring the people into city government. We've had a city government here that has has been lacking in a lot of transparency and frankly in bringing people in. And so uh, we felt that if we could bring those messages that I want to deal with basically um, fixing those things that are broken and bringing people in, uh, I think people People really heard that message and resonated with it. And we, we the wonderful thing about this campaign was that um, we won uh, voters from all across the political spectrum. That's amazing, right? Well, look, I love this because that is really the message that we should have been using in the 2022 race. And what I tried to do, which is to say, okay, you're worried about crime. You're worried about crumbling infrastructure. You're worried about lack of investment in our cities and our counties and our government and our people, all of that. And you don't feel safe. You got to blame the people who are in charge. And that is exactly what she's saying, which is crime's out of control. And it's like, you can't point to me or to another Democrat. You got to own it. And so that's why that's brilliant in a very succinct way. She goes straight to the issue. She doesn't shy away and say, oh, I'm a Democrat. I can't talk about crime. She's like, we got a problem. And what we need to do right now is get in there and, and try to solve it. So a lot of people are doing some forecasting and they're saying that, you know, Republicans have been having some bad elections. You know, we're talking about that one in Jacksonville and I've spent quite a bit of time in Jacksonville. Jacksonville, I mean, I don't think that's a purple city. It's maybe dark purple a little bit. I mean, it is Jacksonville. Um, It is. I mean, the people in Jacksonville sound a lot like people in South Georgia. Right. It's right like next to St. Simon's, you know, so it's, 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 so I do think, you know, people, and apparently, um, 
they had asked her opponent to sort of tone down his his you know social issues rhetoric a little bit, and she she went straight in with that. But um, then you had, of course, the Wisconsin election, the Supreme Court one that was huge. I that mean, that was huge. That was a very very big upset, and that was really so much on choice. Getting back to that, talking about choice again, I mean, that I think, will it play a big part in 2024 as we start to read more stories of, you know, reading horror stories of the effects of overturning Roe? Um, How does that play into 2024 for all uh, state and local elections? I mean, I think it's significant. I think what we always have to remember in terms of gerrymandered districts that there's only so far we can go, Right. And that will be the case for at least the next four to six years, right, in terms of growth patterns around and all that. Um, I do think a lot of these districts that are currently Republican, kind of on that outer rim of metro, the metro counties, um, those are turning, right? They're like a light pink right now. They're probably not going to be there by 24, but I think they will be by 26, and that's where you got to kind of keep your eyes on. You know, some of, we were talking about the city of Milton earlier. Some of these places that, you know, there there is enough there for, for things to, to really change, but maybe they're not quite there, right? Or maybe they're dealing with, with some stuff that, you know. So that's what I was learning. So what Jen's referring to is I got a... Um a message from a listener um, who there's some shady election business going on and we're looking into it. We are. We are now (laughs) investigative (laughs) podcasters. But I had a conversation with this woman talking about people in that area and how a lot of mostly women, this was something that Terry Terry and I touched on last week with um, the gun safety stuff. As far as with women showing up, women that show, showed up at the protests, women that are suddenly waking up to uh, gun safety laws. We're like, those women are out there in the light pink area, but they're just afraid to say anything and maybe they're becoming a little less afraid. I think so. And remember, I mean, the thing about Atlanta that is so incredible is just how diverse it is, but also just how dynamic in terms of um, in terms of our business, right? Our our business community, and there are so many people coming in and out, right? Of the Atlanta metro area, moving in, moving out, and it's just kind of constant. And so it is changing, and demographically, we're going to get there. We're, we are absolutely, this will be a blue state. I'm not sure exactly when it's going to switch, but we're going to get there. Okay, and I have to tell you that Jen doesn't just say things loosely. She's, I finally found a friend who's more cynical than me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm like, it's not even glass half full. It's like glass half full. And I'm sure that there is a hole in the bottom of it. I, okay. Um, let's talk about George Santos for a minute. Oh I know my gosh. This is not local, but I mean, it is just like the documentary that I can't wait to watch. Well, the documentary that I really can't. Okay, wait, wait, let's stick with Santos Okay, we're going to get to that in the end. Okay. Okay, okay, because I'm going to need to have a couple episodes about the one I want to, can't wait for. So Santos is like literally just like a walking like bag of crime. And they put a resolution to... uh, 
expel him. Right. And all the Democrat, all the Democrats voted to do this. Some only showed up as president, but the Republicans were like, nah, no, thank you. So, and I understand because they have such slim margins that the, why they didn't do it, but they are the party of, you know, law and order. This just seems crazy. Oh, come on. They're the party of law and order unless they're the criminals, right? <laughs> yes. I, I mean, but I, but I will say this about Santos. I think that this is a very um, good lesson for people who in their own lives lie, do stuff they shouldn't do, break the law, steal, cheat, whatever, and always get away with it because nobody's really paying attention. If you run for office, especially Congress, and maybe you win, especially in a highly um, contentious battle and in a district that could go either way, you better hope that you've got clean hands, brother, because you're going to get exactly the kind of treatment that George Santos is getting. Yeah, but I fought the local journalism. I feel like the journalists like should have been calling him out while he was running. I guess there was just so much going on. Yeah, but, I mean, but think about it. Like when somebody tells you, if when you meet somebody and they say, "I went to the University of Georgia," you don't say. Did you really? <laughs> Maybe I will now. And let me check with the University of Georgia, or if they say, oh, yeah, I did this volunteer work, or I did this, or whatever. I mean, nobody checks on you. I will tell you that one time I got this ugly message, because on one of my websites, it said that I had been a Sunday school teacher at um, Trinity Presbyterian. Okay. Right? And I had. When D- Koki was there, we taught her Sunday school class. All right. They were very little. I'm not sure how much teaching was going on as much as herding cats. Sure. But I had this nasty kind of message saying, you've never taught Sunday school at Trinity Presbyterian. (laughs) And I'm like, A, how do you check that? B, yeah, I did. And, but it's that kind of stuff, right? Nobody ever like, I, and I've wanted to before because I'm like, there's no way that person has a master's degree or there's no way that person is who they say they are. But with respect to Santos, he had so much. There's so much. That like a couple of the things kind of revealed themselves. And then all of a sudden people were like, well, wait a second. If he lied about that, what about this and this? And then it just, man. But then you have the the level of... I don't care factor because look at all the lies that Herschel Walker told and it didn't seem to matter. I mean, Well, it did because where is Herschel Walker? Well, that is true. It, actually, the question is like, where is Herschel Walker? I know. It's kind of like, where is Waldo? <laughs> like literally. So this I thought was so interesting because on the George Santos thing, I, I usually don't like to give Marjorie Taylor Greene much attention, but this is like they they were like after they voted on this resolution to get him expelled, they were all arguing outside the Capitol and it, 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 in D.C. and it was wild. Listen. Save the party. The party's hanging by a thread. We got to get rid of Biden. Save the country. The party's hanging by a thread. You got to save the party. Listen, no more QAnon. No more madness. No more debt ceiling nonsense. Come on now. Save the party. Save America. Save the children. Save the country. Do something about guns. Right. So close the border. Invest in education. Save the the what about is what the Trump children? Left hey, where are all the kids? Where are all the migrant what children? Kids? You guys have We're lost them. We're accepting them. We love no, them. No, you've lost we them. We love the There's migrant children. 
houses we lost missing. Them. You can't find them. Wait, what are you That's your administration. Yeah, migrant children missing. You don't know the Is this what's wrong with American politics right now? I mean, is is because is Jamal Bowman? Well, I know he has a lot of fire and passion, and probably I don't know that much about how he is as a a congressman. Um, But uh, don't you think you should just walk away? Well, that's the question. The question is, what is he trying to do? Um, And the problem is, I don't know him either. He may be the nicest, best guy ever, but I'll tell you what, that was so off-putting. And not, I'm always, I mean, Marjorie, trees and green, I'm always, right, like, off-put by her. But she's, but him, I'm kind of like, don't waste your breath. And so the question is, is he trying to kind of, you know, kind of piggyback a little bit? Because he knows that she gets so much, you know, exposure that then... You're sitting here watching. We're, we're putting that, this on the podcast, well, well, that's right? right? And I've seen, if it were just him talking, would we have him on there? And I, so right. So I've seen him like, and he was booked on CNN uh, recently, like a couple weeks ago. And you know now they have that other congressman out of Texas who's like a crazy right winger. I don't even know his name. He's like basically like a, just a batshit guy. And they had a debate between the two of them, and it was just like my blood was boiling. But like at the same time, it's just like sh- what she's saying is just so crazy. It's it's just so crazy. Well, it's like you're legitimizing her approach, right? What she's saying. And so it's just one of these things where I just, that's just not who I am. I don't think it is where most of America is, but I'll tell you, it helps her raise millions and millions of dollars. And man, she is loving life right now after Lauren Boebert just announced her divorce. And there was such a close race between Lauren Lauren Boebert and the guy that the Democrat that ran it's against like her. It's like Adam Frisch, Frisch or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it was like uh, 550 like, yes. votes yes. or something. She is in big trouble. And you know that they used to be buddies, but like they broke up because each wanted to be like the homecoming queen for the Liberty Caucus or whatever. <laughs> yes. So it's, yes. it's this kind of thing where, you know, Marjorie's uh, dreams are all coming true. Okay. This is a topic that's very close to my heart. Um, and, and it's not about the documentary I can't wait to watch. Um, this is about AM radio. Um, so three Georgia lawmakers, Buddy Carter, Rick Allen, and uh, Sanford Bishop, a Democrat, actually, they joined together urging automakers not to drop AM radio receivers from vehicles. This absolutely fascinates me. They argue that AM radio is a lifeline, uh, saying that we need this in cars and trucks for communication. And I'm just like, wait, what? Well, first off, I want to be very clear that everyone should immediately go to Apple Music or Spotify and listen to Everclear's AM radio song, (laughs) which is one of my favorites of all time. Um, If we were prepared, we would have queued that up. But, um, you know, what's interesting is I think this is a generational thing. But also in in thinking about Congressman Bishop, for example, you have to remember that outside of Metro Atlanta, too, AM radio is really where a lot of um, uh, gospel and religious stations kind of are. And um, so my guess is, is that's part of it. It's, It's more kind of 
you know, what is the constituency you're talking about? So you're talking about an older constituency. You're probably talking about a much more, um, you know, religious, you know, constituency and in all of it outside of Metro. So I never looked at it that way. And I'm glad you said that and brought that to my attention. But I don't know if it's a lifeline, though. I don't know if it's a lifeline. And I do know that all those people have phones. That is probably true. Okay, they all do. And like, if you went to the Ace Hardware right now and you're like, hey, can I buy a radio? And they'd be like, take you to the very back of the store if they even had one. And then the AM radio in your car. But you're talking about the car, right? The car. I mean, so, okay, let me flip that. If you're buying a brand new car, a brand new car. Because this is what they're talking about, right? Right. Okay. Putting it. So if you're if you're have the wherewithal to buy a brand new car, you really still need the AM radio in it. Well, that's a good point. Um, I mean, I'm with you on the gospel. Like, I get that because because I worked at um, when it was Dave FM. Now it's a sports station, um, but across the hall we had WAOK, which is it, it is basically it's like a, a pr- pr- gospel, and they do like uh, black talk radio right, and, and they stuff do like praise that. Praise music, exactly. Stuff, yeah. So, but like a lot of I've had, I don't know what their stats are, but a lot of people are probably listening to that online. Well, and I think a lot of those stations are, you know, even if they're broadcasting up here, you know, on a certain um, station, a lot of them are online and they stream, right? And so, yeah, look, I don't know exactly what brought these three people together. It's so weird, right? And then, of course, uh, that thirst trap, Senator John Ossoff. Also known as the person who could be our son. <laughs> I know, I know, but he looks so good lately. Okay, Mira. He just does. That that, um, that cougarisms are, I know. you know. I mean, honestly, both of our senators are just, mm. Okay. Um, but they were talking about AI. So people are talking about AI, which really fascinates me as far as like, because I think people are really afraid of AI, and I think like AI can do some actually amazing, it can be amazing. It can, but... One of the things I know originally I was looking at um, trying to do some legislation on um, deep fakes, which you're familiar with. Of course. So for people who aren't familiar with deep fakes, um, you've heard of the video where I guess Tom Cruise, they made it look like Tom Cruise was was singing or rapping or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Or photos, right? Where you literally cannot tell. Like the Pope in the puffy jacket. Yeah, Yeah. that it's not the person. And I think there's... At what we've seen in terms of, um, and AI is kind of part of that, right? Where technology is great and it's wonderful, but then, oh my gosh, we haven't put controls in for when it can go really badly. Kind of like social media. Yeah. I mean, that's why, you know, Senator Ossoff is basically saying, you know, we're going to have to define what AI really is. I mean, there's just, you know, it's it's so hard to say and it's still in its infancy. But yeah. like this debate over AM radio is just like, I, I just... Again, if it if it will get more people to listen to Everclear, then, <laughs> then I'm cool. Listen, I, I think they would want that. Okay. Um, this is sort of a heavy story, but I think it's, I'm really curious about this. There's a Parkland mom who has a book that's come out uh, called Joaquin's First School Shooting. 
And uh, this mom walked into Representative Tony Cardinia's office uh, and handed the representative the book that she wrote. And it's basically a book about what it's like uh, for a child to relive the horror of a school shooting. And she is giving this to lawmakers. Um, Is this too much? Is this important? Here, my whole thing is, I wonder, they're banning books and banning curriculums, but like our kids are literally doing, you know, active shooter drills. So what is more damaging and and what what, what are the thoughts on this? I don't know. When I first read this article that, um, isn't it in the Washington Post? Yes. Yeah. At first, it was a little off-putting to me, right? Because I was like, oh, this is just so awful. But that's... That's the point, right? That this is the reality. And I mean, and this isn't new. I mean, I remember when um, Koki asked me to get her a bulletproof backpack. And I remember when I first went to the legislature. And honestly, I think I've said this before. I think the gun issue is why I flipped the district that I flipped. Because moms were sick and tired of being sick and tired. And they are very concerned about their children. Now, all those children are now graduating from college and stuff. It was funny. I saw one of the mothers who I'd met with who said, "All I'm a one-issue person when I first ran. And her daughter just graduated um, from college. But we have new moms, as we've talked about before. And also, this isn't shocking for kids because this is their reality. It may be shocking for people who just want to put their head in the ground or who just want to say 2A all the way, but maybe they need to be shocked. And maybe that's the only way that we're going to get anywhere with this. So the uh, illustrator who did this children's book, you know, describes in this article how, you know, gut-wrenching it was to draw these pictures of basically kids just running through the hallways. And like, I'm sort of feeling like, ugh, just talking about it. But I wondered, like... If something like that is handed to like the Georgia First Lady Marty Kemp and saying, hey, thanks for meeting with us. Um, By the way, this book, I mean, or anyone in the Georgia legislature, I mean. The problem is them looking at it. They, They are so ingrained in terms of their own political positioning. I mean, but it's it's much like, not that I ever agreed with this, but you know how, and these are, a lot of these are fake photos too, but in terms of the abortion, you know, argument where they have these awful pictures of, of fetal tissue or whatever, and they blow them up and all this kind of stuff. And that's what they do because the whole point is to shock people. And, right. But, but this is the this is the deal. The deal is is that this is way more real and way more harmful. To right. Oh, they put that stuff on their vision boards. I mean, they. I mean, they. Well, I mean, I've seen some of the stuff that they put in these meetings. Uh, that, Look, I've been in on the floor oh, I know. with people handing it out. I know you yield the well. Do you miss that? <sighs> I kind of miss yielding the well. I love that. It's so hot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was it was really great. We got to put together like a loop of that. Like I yield the will. Yeah. I yield the will. I yield the will. Yeah, you can tell how angry I am just by how terse the yielding is. Well, on the topic of guns, explain to us. Uh, so, the Illinois has an assault weapons ban, and th- that uh, people were looking to have that overturned, and the Supreme Court's not going to hear it. Do I have that correctly? For now, correct. Correct. Okay. For now. So just just to kind of 
tell everybody what happened. We're all familiar with the Highland Park shooting last year where um, seven people were killed during, you know, the parade. And what ended up happening is there they passed a law. Was it a law or a, uh, I think it was a law that said you basically can't buy or sell AR-15 semi-automatic rifles, right? Which have been used in the multiple mass shootings that we know of. And so it was a very specific ban on these specific um, guns of war tied to a very specific act of violence, right? All of that. And so basically what happened is um, the Seventh Circuit U.S. Court of Appeals um, basically took up the case and blocked the law, right? And, um, and, And so it was one of those where the Seventh Circuit put that decision on hold, But then the Supreme Court came back and said, you know what, Um, what we're going to do is we're not going to we're not going to mess around right now with this. And that's important. Man, I'm being super wordy. But let me get back to why is that important? It's important because it indicates that it's not important enough for them to, to, to stop the law from going into effect. So if you really did think that this was end all be all constitutional violation, this law not being able to get an AR-15, then you, Supreme Court, would say, we need to hear this immediately. We don't need to wait for the process to kind of turn out. Now, we've seen other cases where they've done that, and nothing's happened, right? It it turned out the opposite, but this may be the most positive, just this little, little sliver of light coming in that there may actually be a stopping point for all the carnage in this country. And um, it's probably the one thing that I'm like, please, please, please let let this be right. Okay. Well, we really need to consistently keep talking about stuff like this. Not only do we talk about uh, these little wins that we have, like the Jacksonville mayor and this uh, stuff in Illinois. Um, You know, Terry and I talked about last week, uh, getting out of your comfort zone. And that was like a big theme of what we talked about. And it is... God, it sounds like therapy last week. Like, what was going on with that? (laughs) Even though we called you out, like that you're never going to be the woman on the street interviewing people. No, I don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. It's super weird. (laughs) I love that. You and Terry love to make people feel uncomfortable. (laughs) I've never... Terry Anulowitz is... I've never seen anyone just with glee and giddy. Yeah, I like it too. All right, let's talk about what we're excited for this week or what we're raving about this week. The whole thing that I keep, um, I'm so excited for, and I should have pulled the clips too long, so I'm going to have to give you a full review when it debuts. But this week, it's the documentary on the Alabama sorority girls that I am just, and you, because you know the whole story about how these girls, they have to put their outfit of the day on TikTok and like it, the competition and getting in the sorority and then like, like, like madness ensues and like ugly stuff. And like they, people weren't supposed to be filming themselves and they were, and I'm salivating. I'm so excited. I, I have to say, I'm, I am pretty excited about that. <laughs> I mean, I, I if I have said it once, I have said it a gazillion times. Thank God there was no social media, no cameras, no no videoing, no anything when I was in college. Because holy camoly, we all make such stupid decisions. And when you are sitting there videoing yourself, like 
and saying, hey, world, look at me and the dumb shit I'm about to do, right? That's basically what this documentary is. Oh, yeah, and go kappa, 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 kappa. I mean, uh, it's, 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 well, I kind of followed the whole outfit of the day. It was like how I've got my Kendra Scott earrings and I've gotten, they wear these like little, it's like, there's a sorority store where they buy this right. stuff. And then they're like, and my shoes from where? And then this and this. And then I'm like, I would be so boring. Like, what do I say? My pants from Marshall's, <laughs> my shoes from Target. <laughs> I mean, my insoles from my podiatrist. Yes, that's right. I've got my girdle from Spanx. Girdles from Spanx. Yes. So I'm really excited about that one. I Maybe did, we should do an old lady version um, of an old lady sorority. Wait, you were in a sorority, right? Oh, yeah. What's, Which I one? Uh, 80 Pie. Right. And, my, and some of my best friends are from my sorority, including a friend of the pod, Dawn. Yes, Dawn. Podcast Dawn. She loves the podcast. Oh, she loves podcasts. I haven't talked to her. I'm going to text her later and give her some suggestions. I've got she, some good... If you have some books, too. She's been uh, doing the book thing. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I've did. I've done a couple books, too. You're more um, of a podcast. I do. I do. And there's something I would... There's, well, there's, of course, that's why I want to be an amateur lawyer, because there's so many questions to ask. There's a couple of new good ones out there. Shout out to Bone Valley. Um, you actually... Asked me about that today. That's I did. I the, sent you a New York Times opinion piece on it. Yeah, so that's a podcast about a wrongful conviction that I worked on with publicity, and the subject of that is is I don't want to give away any spoilers, but it's it's really I think a larger conversation about wrongful convictions in this country, um, and there are so many of them. There's so many, and um, I would I would like to explore that a little bit more. Yeah, I would too. I mean, look, I all I listen to are like British police murder <laughs> books. And I've just imagined myself as some kind of homicide detective or crime scene investigator. So, you know, I'm like, let's go investigate. Yeah. Let's yeah. go figure out what's wrong. Yeah. Well, uh, yes. Okay. So um, we both agree. We're both excited. Like, because I wanted to say the thing I'm raving about this week is the Anna Nicole Smith documentary. But it's just all right. <laughs> of course, I watched it on the very first day it came out. Yeah. You can skip it. I, I, thanks. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for that. But I am going to rave and I'm going to take a personal point of privilege. People can um, shut off right now if you don't want a silly mama um, kind of thing. But I wanted to um, rave about the fact that my son got um, the Beth Faroki Award Ooh. at Galloway, the Upper Learning Faculty Recognized Seniors. And it's presented to a senior who shows serious commitment to the education and empowerment of young people a deep responsibility and an active understanding oh. of Elliot Galloway's philosophical oh. legacy. But what makes this particularly special for me is that Beth Faroki, and those who know who know Beth or knew Beth, um, her son is Amir, who is on the city council here in Atlanta. But she was very involved with the Cobb County Democrats. And I remember when I decided to run, I went to a Cobb Dems meeting. It was packed, right? And there was already a, a popular Democrat running, too, who was in Cobb County and who was kind of the choice. So I was kind of persona non grata when I walked into that room. I mean, you want to talk about, it would be like me wearing pink and green to an AKA <laughs> event, right? Like persona non grata. And I remember that Beth Faroki came up to me and hugged me and was one of the nicest 
best people that I have ever known. And, you know, Amir is such a testament to her being such a great parent. And the Farokis are just incredible people. And um, she is so missed. So for me, it was very special when your son gets an award that um, you actually knew the person who it's named after. That's amazing. Well, congratulations to you. Yes, because it's all me. Of course it is. And Lawton Sr., your well, husband. You know. um, I want to just wrap up by saying, uh, we always at the end, like ask people for comments about, you know, people who leave comments on the Apple. All right, this is the hype squad part of the podcast. Okay, um, shout out to Jackie. Definitely my favorite local podcast or favorite local podcast in general. I don't think I've ever written a review of a podcast before, but I feel like this one really deserves more hype. Go ladies, go. And thank you. I love you, Jackie. Yeah, Jackie, that's, I'm, I'm going to kind of go back and check to make sure it's not marriage just based on this <laughs> stuff. This next one's from Marsh Tart. I like that. I'm late to the podcast game, but I'm glad I found this one. Even though I follow our legislature pretty closely, having gone to the Gold Dome as many times as an advocate, I've learned so much listening to this show. The hosts are so engaging and informative and do a great job of breaking down what's happening in Georgia politics. Can't recommend this one enough. Thanks, Marsh Tart. Okay, so that was from April, and then we got one in May, and then the last comment before that was in January. So listeners, let's step it up. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. I haven't been on very regularly, and so I can't throw shade very much at our listening population. But, you know, we're all getting back into it. So, you know, we have a plan. Give us a a little bit of love. We have a plan. We're going, we're we're alternating. We're going back and forth. I think everybody's happy about that. Yeah. Mostly me. Right. Well, and also it's, it's one of those things where Terry and I, although we have very similar kind of backgrounds politically, you know, we know different things and we bring different things kind of to the fore there's no doubt about that and i just you know want to watch a documentary about sorority girls well <laughs> i have to tell you i do too and listen terry went to an all-girls oh school. my god she she's gonna inject it in her veins she'll be the first one we'll be we you know, we should live Whatever. tweet the whole thing okay christina Lawrenter, thank you as always for producing and, and doing all the heavy lifting here and we will talk to you next time